BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio, this is Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer. And I'm Marisa Lagos. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And whether you're on your way to or from Thanksgiving dinner, celebrating or not, we are glad that you joined us. This is the time of year when, ready or not, we often get together with our families, sometimes, Marisa, avoiding sensitive topics like, say, politics. Speak for yourself, Scott. (laughs) But whether or not we see eye to eye with our family on things like politics, they obviously still have a big influence on all of us and our lives lives in so many ways. In fact, for today's show, we're bringing you two of our favorite conversations from the past year with guests who have especially interesting family histories. And we're going to start with Democrat Robert Rivas. He's the new speaker of the state assembly. When we talked to him back in May, he hadn't yet taken over that job. But we talked with him about his family history of farm worker activism and his brother, Rick, who is also very involved in state politics. Here's some of that interview. Well, you know, we always like to start with our guests, a little bit about them and their bio, where they came from, how they got here. So we know that your grandparents came to California from Mexico in the 1960s, helped uh, raise you and your brother. What did you learn from them? Well, I learned everything from them. You know, they, uh, my grandfather uh, actually immigrated um, from, from Mexico to California in the late 50s. Um, and he was a migrant farm worker. He spent time in Texas, um, you know, just traveling these western states for, uh, for, for work. Uh, and he was very fortunate. He landed a uh, job at Almaden Vineyards in San Benito County, in a little unincorporated area of the county called Picenas. Uh, and it was there where um, uh, the owner of the company uh, offered him the opportunity to live in um, employer housing. And so it was attractive uh, farm worker housing. And that was when um, the rest of my family was able to come uh, my mom included, you know, to come to California. And so uh, I grew up with them. I was raised by my grandma, my grandfather, my great-grandmother, my mom, my uh, aunts and uncle. And so I was very lucky to be surrounded by such a loving family who instilled in me those values that I carry with me every single day. Well, I know your grandfather helped organize with Cesar Chavez. It sounds like he was a pretty much a master negotiator. Can you talk a little bit about that? Did you see that side of him growing up? Yeah, he was very, um, you know, he was uh, a you know, a political person, you know, uh, and very much so. He was a strong Democrat. uh, And he would uh, talk to my brother and I often uh, about why he was a Democrat, because when he was out fighting for, you know, stronger working conditions, higher wages and some benefits, uh, it was our local Democratic Party that was always there for him. And he worked very closely with the Dolores Huerta. um, And this uh, was in the late 60s during the whole UFW movement. Um, where uh, working with the UFW as, you know, they were uh, increasing their membership to help organize the workers there in Almaden Vineyards. And so he was part of the negotiating team. Uh, and it was a Dolores Huerta who uh, always reminds me 
that, um, you know, he would always charge ahead, you know, that he, you know, um, uh, you know, and despite a lot of uh, the circumstances at that time, you know, we lived in employer-sponsored housing. And, and so the fact that, hey, we could have lost our housing, right. at, you know, any step of the way, but he was out there fighting for what he believed in. And that was, you know, those were real issues at that time, you know, water you know, uh, uh, adequate water breaks, you know, having adequate um, bathrooms and some facilities I mean, uh, in the fields. still issues to this day. And they are day. still issues to this day. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. certainly, you know, understanding that history uh, and how he really uh, had an impact uh, on, um, you know, his coworkers uh, and the fact that Dolores Huerta helped, uh, you know, they worked together to negotiate his very first labor contract huh. that resulted in groundbreaking labor protections, higher wages, benefits, a pension. Mm. Uh, it meant everything, not only to my grandfather, but to my family. Yeah. Well, uh, and I'm thinking, not to jump ahead, but, uh, you know, as you worked on bills like that and voted on bills like that for those kinds of rights that your grandfather right. thought of here in the assembly up in Sacramento, you must have thought about him and your family. Always. Yeah. He's, um, you know, he's, you know, uh, always been a role model to me. And, and, and you know, he's, uh, you know, such an important, always been such an important part of my life. It's why I have a his picture hanging in my office, uh, of, you know, alongside a picture of Dolores Huerta and actually his pay stub. You know, I have mm-hmm. a pay stub of his that he gave me before he passed away in the late 80s, uh, where he'd been a farm worker there at Alameda Vineyards for uh, about 30 years. Uh, and on that pay stub, he was earning $6.33 an hour. Uh, and he, that pay stub helped support our entire family. You know, there's about eight or nine of us. And and um, and and it's always a rhyme, you know a reminder for me of where I came from. It puts everything in perspective, and, and, and you know, always you know leading to you know advocate for those who don't have a voice here in Sacramento. You know, fighting for our most vulnerable families, um, because certainly, you know, I had it tough as a kid. You know, we lived in poverty. Um, very lucky, as I mentioned, to be surrounded by a loving family. But there's so many families today, farm working families. Um, you know, a lot of vulnerable families that um, have it. That have it much more, you know, that 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 have it um, uh, so much um, more challenging, um, you know, in this environment than 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 I ever did as a kid. Yeah, you overcame a severe stutter as a child. Um, can yeah. you talk about that and and how did you? you know, work on that, especially given the circumstance you're, you know, you're talking about. And it was a time when I think we had a lot less tools to help kids sure. with that And less sensitivity to yeah. it. Also. Yeah. And, and so it's hard to say that I've overcome it because I still have it. <laughs> it's uh, something that I've had my entire life. And so, you know, certainly as a kid, uh, it was a stutter that would at times render me speechless, mm. you know, and uh, very difficult to overcome. And, you know, my mom, um, you know, she was always there for me, you know, whether it was, you know, um, through uh, some private therapy, uh, you know, obviously I received a lot of therapy lessons um, uh, in, uh, you know, in public school. Mm-hmm. You know, I attended someone elementary school and, and, and uh, throughout. Uh, and it's something that, you know, under, you know, just trying to understand, you know, um, what triggers a stutter, mm-hmm. uh, how to overcome it. There's a number of techniques, but, you know, uh, ultimately it's just a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to spend that much more time reading and reviewing any type of talking points. Um, and, uh, you know, just trying to be as comfortable as I can anytime hmm. I speak. You know, we have a governor who has dyslexia. I'm wondering if the two of you have ever talked about, like, overcoming and how do you deal with like, getting around, like you say, learning sure. ways to get around it. Right. Well, so we have had some brief conversations about it. He showed me one time as, as uh, we were driving together. Um, 
this was uh, when he was on the campaign trail. He had a, a book, and mm-hmm. I want to say he was reading like the biography of Bill Clinton, and he opened up the book, and that thing was marked up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And and that's a similarity to myself is and, you know any time I have to speak or I always mark stuff up. That's why I always carry a, a pen and a highlighter. Nice, <laughs> um, because you know it's just uh, you know that's the way that uh, you know. You know, those are those methods Helps you focus. That, 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 you know, yeah, that we need to stay organized. And, and Assemblyman, um, you got elected in 2018 and your wife, Kristen, wrote an opinion article on your behalf. And she talked about being a Republican. Uh, tell us how the two of you work through those things. And Yeah, uh, you're not the only ones who have these different time <laughs> conversations, I think. Right, yeah. Right. yeah so, you know, I. Uh, I love my wife, you know, and, and certainly she... <laughs> it's always a good, good start. start. <laughs> good start. <laughs> she, uh, you know, she has her own viewpoints, as do I, yeah. you know, and, you know, our relationship is, you know, based on uh, our love for one another and, and for our daughter, not um, not our politics and, and certainly not our work, you know, and so I'm very proud, you know, of, um, you know, uh, all the work that uh, she does. You know, um, and how flexible she's been, and how forgiving she is, because of how challenging you know my job can be, and in you know the sense that you know I spend a lot of time away from home. You know, that's the most difficult part of this job is just missing out on so many special moments with 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 my family, with my daughter. But I'm very proud. You know, she understands you know how passionate I am to represent my community. You know, and and, and certainly I've, this is my 13th year in elective office. I have a record. I'm proud of it. And, you know, certainly, um, you know, excited to ensure that uh, we continue to do good work. So you mentioned your young daughter. I know you guys have also fostered children. That is a lot to take on. Just talk about the family dynamics and like what it's like being a working dad with this commute and trying to show up for them Um, as well. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, and as I just mentioned, the hardest part of this job is um, just missing out on so much at home. Yeah. And, you know, I have, as I often say, I have one daughter and, and we have been foster parents. Um, That's a big uh, you know, thing to take on. Yeah. Sure. And, and I can not even handle one child. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, and so I see how attached my daughter is to, you know, my wife and to her mother. And so that's why when I, you know, some of my colleagues, you know, especially, you know, Buffy Wicks or Rebecca Barakehan, Akila Weber, so many of my, my um, uh, women uh, colleagues who have children and have a couple, two or three children, you know, how much pressure it is for them, uh, it, I, I couldn't imagine. Um, and, and how challenging it is for them to, to you know, uh, go home every evening. Um, and, and, and so really appreciate and it gives, you know, really me that perspective and, and, and really should give that perspective to others as well. But, you know, it is very challenging, but certainly it's, you know, especially when it comes to having the opportunity to foster um, some youth, there's such need out there. Mm-hmm. And there's so many families that um, have nobody. There's so many children that have nobody. And so for us to just do our, our small part, um, you know, has been a very rewarding experience. We mentioned you got elected to the state assembly in 2018. Before that, you were on the board of supervisors in San Benito County, a county that you know probably a lot of people aren't that familiar with. You know, uh, the famous scene in Vertigo uh, was was shot there. Uh, Scott loves that. <laughs> I love that film. I've been up that bell tower several times. Um, but uh, tell us about it, and because it you know it's a it is a relatively rural county. Um, you know, maybe a lot of farm, a lot yeah. of farm folks, and maybe not quite as uh, politically progressive or liberal, the people who live there, as the coastal folks who many see as elitist. How do you deal with that? Uh, How do you explain where you come from and the values, if you have to, to your members? So I really appreciate you acknowledging that many people don't know uh, where San Diego County is. So when I was a county supervisor and I'd come up to Sacramento for training or whatever it was, or even in my first few weeks here in 
in Sacramento as a member of the assembly, I'd often have people um, ask me how life was in San Bernardino County. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's only two hours away from here. <laughs> and then one of my colleagues, when I was when I was elected in the assembly, one of my colleagues who was a new supervisor in San Bernardino County sent me a screenshot uh, and said, "Hey, you weren't lying." And his CSAC nameplate said, "You know his name." San Bernardino oh County. <laughs> this, this is the California State yeah, Association but, of Counties. They should know of all people, right. right? And so, you know, but all kidding aside, you know, San Benito is my home. And I am very lucky to call San Benito County and really the Central Coast um, home. It is, a, you know, a, a beautiful region, a lot of rolling hills, a lot of open space. It, uh, San Benito actually is one of the top two fastest growing counties uh, in the state. Um, and I think during the pandemic, uh, I... We uh, have some new neighbors around us that came from San Jose because they had the flexibility. And so it was the first time they'd visited San Benito County. They fell in love with it, and now uh, they're residents there. So we're very lucky to call it home. And, and But, you know, I should remind you, um, um, and I've had this conversation with the governor, uh, so goes San Benito, goes the state of California. Yeah, yeah. We all consider it a bellwether. For the uh, presidential elections, yes, I think, yes. more than anything. More than so anything. how are things looking for Dems and Republicans <laughs> in 24 then? <laughs> No, you know, and so I have, as a lifelong resident, I have seen the changes, and I've seen the political changes as well. Uh, my first job out of college, I worked for Assembly Member Simone Salinas, who um, was the first Democrat ever elected in this Assembly seat. Uh, he narrowly defeated Jeff Denham. Uh, it was mm. a purple district, mm. and in you know, since then that was twenty twenty twenty. You know, fast forward to you know twenty three years later. And you have had a district that has gone from purple to dark blue. Yeah. Um, families such as my own, farm-working families um, that have spent now a couple generations in this region. Uh, and, you know, these generations care about different things. Climate change, you know, we care about, um, you, know, um, you know, access to uh, health care. You know, we talk about the divides between urban and rural areas, you know. And, and um, here in California, we have to lead in all areas. Uh, and so certainly championing and accomplishing what the governor wants uh, around creating this California for all, it requires heavy investment in all parts of our state. And so I'm happy to, to be here. If you would have asked me as a kid that I would one day serve in the state legislature from San Benito County, having grown up in Farmer County, I wouldn't have thought it possible. And so I think I'm the third only San Benito County resident ever to serve in the legislature. Uh, and so I'm, you know, humbled by that, you know, by this opportunity, but it means nothing unless, you know, we advance, um, you know, those interests in, 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 in really those issues that are important to our region. Let me ask a brother, a brother question. Um, your brother also is an advisor to the American Beverage or Association was, or was, you know, which is, of course, you know, soda has really, you know, big soda uh, has gone head to head with the legislature on things. How do you, do you feel like, uh, like how are you going to answer any questions or concerns people have about a, either a conflict or an appearance of a conflict. Sure. You know, as I mentioned, this is my 13th year in elective office, you know, and uh, I love my brother. You know, he, um, you know, uh, is... And his wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, you know, and he, you know, but certainly he has his own career. Um, and, you know, uh, and I have my own career. Uh, he's always been a part of my kitchen cabinet. Um, and when appropriate and whenever uh, I'm going to need him, I'm always going to lean on him for... Uh, that political advice. You know, he's not a lobbyist. He doesn't lobby me, mm. uh, and and he never will. Uh, and, and, and clearly in this role, as I mentioned, this is my 13th year. Like, I, you know, have always understood um, and I've always respected those those ethical and legal lines that must be maintained. Um, that will never change. Um, and certainly as Speaker of the Assembly, 
you know, um, um, I look forward to engaging with, you know, with, uh, you know, uh, all stakeholders. Yeah. We're almost out of time. Quick question. Uh, We mentioned Vertigo. Uh, did you see that film when you were a kid? Is that something? Unfortunately, that... I didn't see that film. But there's an incredible coffee shop in San Juan Batista, the Vertigo Coffee Shop. So, and that's my connection. And the coffee is so strong it makes you dizzy. <laughs> that was Robert Rivas, a Democrat from San Benito County, who is now Speaker of the State Assembly. All right, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll bring you part of our conversation with Dane Strother, whose family business is politics. You're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Welcome back to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer, here with Marisa Lagos. And on this Thanksgiving, we're revisiting two of our favorite interviews from the past year, focusing on politics and families. Next up is someone I met at a national convention of political consultants earlier this year, Dane Strother. His father, in some ways, invented modern political consulting. And we talked to him after a recent campaign he helped win in Wisconsin for Democrats, a high-profile race for the state Supreme Court. You've spent about three decades in Washington, D.C., doing races all over. In 2019, you decided to come to Sacramento. Why California? Why now-ish? So, uh, for the record, I don't live here. I, I, I come through and do some work, uh, Mr. Taxman. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, look, uh, the one thing my, my consultant friends in California tell me, the only thing they agree on is keeping the East Coast guys out, right? And I tried to break in quite a few times unsuccessfully. When my youngest son went off to college, I had the freedom to spend more time here. And why? The same reason California, anyone came to California in the beginning. There's gold here. The uh, fourth or fifth largest economy in the world is governed in six square blocks, and I'm, we're currently sitting there. Uh, so I'm, I'm not doing candidates here other than IEs. Uh, I'm here to do ballot measures. Cool. Well, let's talk about your dad, Ray, uh, who was really a pioneer in the, in the world of political consulting. Uh, tell us a little bit about him and what was it like growing up in a home that was, you know, filled with politics? Yeah, it's uh, I'd like... Uh, I've sweat election day my entire life. Right? <laughs> we, we hear that. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. And uh, no, dad was a pioneer. He helped invent modern political consulting, had an ad agency in the 60s and 70s in Louisiana and did Louisiana politicians, uh, Edwin Edwards, uh, et cetera. And then Russell Long, uh, Huey Long's son, uh, was in trouble in 1980 on reelect because it was the Reagan year. Right. Mm-hmm. And dad did Russell Long's race in 1980. Long wins. He walks him across to his friend Lloyd Benson, John Stennis, Sam Nunn. 
and said, this is Ray Strother. He's doing something different. And off it went from there. Wow. Uh, so- I mean, he's really credited with understanding how to craft messages that moved voters. Is that something you saw as a kid? Like, could he move you to do your chores with his messages? <laughs> uh, he didn't have to move me. He told me. The, uh, <laughs> no, my father, was, my father was raised very blue collar. His father had a fourth grade education. Uh, dad uh, went to college because he ran track. Otherwise, he'd never have made it. And he understood... He understood talking to real people in, in real ways and, and breaking things down and not speaking down to people. And that's the problem with my industry often is we speak down to people and that's people don't take that well. So, uh, yeah, I was uh, he was a master communicator, a master writer. And uh, we just lost him in October. Uh, it was uh, terrible, hard loss. Um, but, yeah, I, what have I learned from him? Everything. Yeah. Right? You know, I. Uh, I was a reporter for a number of years, and in 1987, uh, I was in New Hampshire. They, uh, the editor called me and said, do you know Ray Strother? I said, yeah. He said, is that the guy running Gary Hart's campaign? I said, yes. He said, well, you can't cover politics. And so I did school board for a couple of weeks, and that was enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to cover politics. Yeah, that's, that's all I cared to do. That's, I was in New Hampshire. My goal was Lawrence Eagle Tribune, uh, Hartford Current, Washington Post. Right? Yeah. That was my goal. So your dad worked on some uh, with some iconic candidates, uh, I think, including uh, helping Bill Clinton get elected in Arkansas. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, dad did Clinton. uh, So Clinton ran for governor uh, and won and then he lost. And dad and Dick Morris, uh, who's infamous, um, did uh, did the did the comeback. Dad was with Clinton uh, for years. And then he got to fight with Hillary in 1990. What happened? What was Uh, that over? Yeah. Because she wanted to run for governor, and Dad encouraged Bill to run one more time and run for president from the governorship, and uh, and they ran a poll that showed that it was the right thing to do, and uh, the rest is history. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So I think your dad had some journalism interests too, and he was on. You're on a college journalism board. Do you feel like political consulting has something in common with what we do? Oh, without question. Yes. Uh, Dad was an AP reporter. Out of, out of, you know, and, and he was the editor of the LSU student Reveille, the student paper. I was the editor of the student paper. Uh, yes. Journalism is taking complicated issues and explaining to someone simply, right? So that's what the lead is. That's the 35 words. And I have 75 words to explain something in 30 seconds. And so the same thing. We're trying to boil it down into a very germane uh, explanation. Yeah. You, uh, of course, grew up, I think, in Louisiana. I did, yes. And uh, must know James Carville. Uh, James worked for my father growing up. James used to eat my uh, c- uh, cereal when I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> Any particular flavor, just whatever was available? <laughs> James didn't care. What was he, he has, you know, ha- certainly has an image that we have all seen on CNN and elsewhere. Uh, what do you remember about him? Oh, I, I, I was, I see James all the time. Um, it's uh, my father tells stories that people used to fight about who had to sit next to James at dinner. Now people pay twenty five thousand dollars to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't they want to sit next to him? Because uh, uh, James is a little nutty. Uh, he's he's um, it, J- James is James. So, uh, quick story: James was running a Shreveport marriage race, and I was in high school, and I had to shuttle some stuff up to Shreveport. For, uh, my father was doing the race, uh, and I spent the night with James. And uh, he, I was I don't know sixteen, and he immediately started. We started drinking beer, and uh, he said, "Grab a political almanac." And I did. And he said, name any college in America. And I would. And he would give me the mascot and the team colors. Any college in America. It's just like that's, how, that's how James is. Not that useful. <laughs> yeah, that's no, not useful at all. But it's telling. And then, you know, James didn't win a race until he was 40 years old. Um, and he won Zell Miller in Georgia. And Miller then sent him over to Bill Clinton. Hmm. All right. Well, before we move into more recent stuff, I am curious, like when your editor gave you the ultimatum and you realized you couldn't stay in journalism without the politics, was your dad happy to 
welcome you to the family biz? Had he tried to kind of deter you from it? Uh, good question. He, he would not have me directly out of college, but I wanted to be a reporter anyway. Uh, was he happy? Uh, you know how you get your tax records every year and everything you've ever made? He paid me $24,000 a year for three years in a row. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, 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 he's happy at very cheap labor. <laughs> Child labor. Child, Child labor, labor, basically, yes, exactly. You uh, have taken on over the years some complicated policy issues and helped explain them through commercials to people, uh, like managed health care. Here in California, you did, I think, Prop 19, was it? Correct, for the uh, realtors. Which had to do with property tax. Very complicated, and yet you boiled it down. It, yeah. We don't need to get But, you know, you had firefighters talking and seniors talking, so... You know, what's the secret sauce? Hats off to you guys on your research. Uh, the uh, uh, the secret sauce is just that. It's it's explaining something in a way that affects real people in real ways, right? Uh, if you're running for office, elect me because of X, and that X has to mean something to the real voter, and uh, and that's 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 what we do. It's you know. You should support our candidate or our cause because it will improve your life in this way. What about the flip side of that, which is you kind of. And it's not a, not an attack on you or the industry, but you you have to dumb it down. You got thirty seconds. I mean, and you leave a lot out about what the ballot measure is actually about. Yeah, we, we, to your point, we have thirty seconds, right? And that's seventy five words. And uh, look, it's we run polls. We we determine the best way to explain this in such a way that people grasp it and support it. Uh, do we leave a stuff, lot of stuff out? Absolutely. There's no way not to. It's yeah. no apologies. <laughs> no. <laughs> what? How do you pick a campaign or a candidate? I mean, you've worked for a lot of moderate Democrats, Al Gore, Bill Clinton. Um, is it? Do you look at somebody's sort of political leanings within the Democratic Party? Is there anyone you wouldn't work with? Like, how do you approach that? No, so I, I believe that the Democratic Party tent should be very broad. And so, for example, uh, I did work with Henry Cuellar in South Texas, who's the most conservative Democrat elected. He's uh, anti-choice, pro-gun, et cetera, et cetera. Henry and I probably don't agree on three things, but he voted for Nancy Pelosi to be speaker. And that's the key. And uh, I worked for U.S. Senator Blanche Lincoln in Arkansas. A uh, very moderate Democrat who supported Walmart in a time that wasn't easy to do, but she voted for Harry Reid to be leader. Hmm. So uh, n- to your question, there are issues out, and I won't work for tobacco, et cetera. Mm. But as long as you're a Democrat and reasonable uh, human being, yeah, I'll work for you. Would you work for Kristen Sinema? Uh, she's not a Democrat. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> wonder what your thoughts are. You you, and, you know, I think your dad, too, kind of helped pioneer uh, the use of technology, especially you, uh, the use of electronic fencing and getting a hold of people's cell phones through Wi-Fi and so on to get to them with messages. Uh, what are your thoughts about AI? We just saw the RNC run an ad against Biden that was computer generated, made right. him saying things he didn't really say. Although I don't even know if they needed AI in that. So so I'm very proud. Uh, this AAPC, this conference we were just at, uh, and uh, uh, for the fourth year in a row, my firm won best use of AI. So uh, there, you know, AI. What was it? What'd you win for? Uh, it, it, overall use of AI. So it, we don't use a so chat GBT, right? I've been messing with it just to see. I, I had it write an ode to the opening day of baseball. It did a damn darn good job, right? Sorry. Uh, the, um, Sorry it's, um, it's not on the FCC list. <laughs> George Carlin. The, um, uh, but then I said write a 75-word reelect for, for Joe Biden, and it's not there, right? It's not there. So we're not using it for language. We're using it digitally for placement. Uh, where on the page should something be? What color should the background be? Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what's the size of the ad? And it's improving itself constantly so that we're getting down to the absolute sweet spot. Are you going to be put out of a job eventually? Uh, 
I hope to quit before then. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like, I don't know, there should be um, transparency if AI is being used or like, like, should there be any guardrails around this when we talk about specifically politics and, you know, elections where we're seeing a lot of questions about the truth that candidates are telling already or, you know, the sort of state of our democracy right now. No, look, AI is horrifying, right? I mean, it, it's, we're still, we're just now figuring this out, right? But to the degree that someone, and I, yes, the short answer is yes, you should be able to put on the muscle on the screen generated by AI, mm. right? Otherwise, I could put your image on the screen and have you say anything I wanted you to say. Right. And no one knows, look, fact and fiction are becoming more and more difficult uh, to discern anyway. We have Trump, et cetera attacking constantly fact and so it's 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 scary it's frightening i don't know where it goes from here but it will be used for evil you uh were involved heavily in some very important elections in wisconsin um and one of them was the 2022 re-election of the governor tony evers who defied the odds there and and won another uh term well, you know what were your takeaways from that but and what were your takeaways in 2016 you know and 20 when trump won and then lost wisconsin yeah, so uh, full shout out to my business partner, Ben Knuckles, who lives in Wisconsin and runs the lead on these things, right? But clearly I was involved in my firm. But we beat Scott Walker, and I was proud to beat Scott Walker. And we beat Scott Walker with a school teacher. Tony Evers did not want to be governor. He, he, he was education, it's too to education. And he was appalled at the cuts of education and decided he had to try it. We beat Scott Walker, who was slick and pretty and all these things, with a guy who's all the opposite of those things, because... Because he's more real. Mm. Yeah, the authenticity. Uh, authenticity, absolutely. What did you guys learn from that re-election that you then applied to this huge Supreme Court race that you just helped win there? That lo- local matters. Uh, uh, ben did, uh, with AI, more than 2,000 ads overall. And we would in the one governor's race. It, it, in, in, yes. Wow. But it was 2,000. Yeah, but, but that, that's a little misleading. So let me clarify, please. It was actually it, six. It, no, no. Uh, we, we did, so let's just go old school television. We did television ads, different television ads in every media market. We've been doing that for years in Texas and Florida, et cetera, right? But with digital now, we can drill down to neighborhoods. And and so we were doing ads digitally and otherwise uh, for s- small towns. And, you know, here in X, you know, we, this matters to us. Uh, and that focus on detail and trying to connect with people on their local neighborhood level made a difference. And that's it for this edition of Political Breakdown, a production of KQED Public Radio. Thank you so much for joining us for this special Thanksgiving edition. Our producers are Guy Marzarati and Izzy Bloom. Our engineer is Jim Bennett, and I'm Marisa Lagos. I'm Scott Schaefer. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time, everybody. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. 
And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.